Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. You say come to the We are continuing in our series today called Family Matters, and I hope that throughout the series so far, there's been some things, there's been some tools, uh, some insights that have been given to you that have helped you uh, to really just kind of think about things maybe a little bit different. That's what we want to do. We want to create a new paradigm because I think that a lot of times what happens is we get into a corner in a situation and we kind of get some blinders on, and sometimes it's very hard to see a different outcome because we keep looking at things the same way over and over again. And so it's always our goal to give you a different perspective and try to give you a different approach to looking at some of these challenges that we are facing. Joshua 24, 15 is our uh, series text. It says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I like the we will part because it doesn't indicate we're going to try. We're going to do our best. We're not, no, it says we are going to do it. We're going to make sure that my house is living up to godly principles and godly standards. Amen? Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about uh, a couple of different things. We talked about leading through partnership. We talked about coming into agreement. Last week, Miss April talked about healthy families and that healthy families or healthy individuals make healthy families. And uh, so today I want to talk about culture a little bit and just how culture is, has infiltrated our homes and how we can overcome cultural challenges because here's the deal and this is what I strongly believe that God has called us to be different and distinct from the world we are to look differently we are to act differently we are to be different than the world amen and so our goal is to establish uh, the presence of God the peace of God the power of God in our homes in such a way that does make us distinct and unique from the world that establishes us as countercultural, if you will and so we do that how do we bring those things into our home how do we establish peace and God's presence and God's power in our homes especially in the world that we're living in today well we've talked a lot about order for there to be peace in your home, there has to be order in your home. There, there, peace and chaos are opposite ends of the spectrum, right? I mean, you can't have chaos and have peace at the same time. And so we have to put order into our households. And a lot of what we're talking about through this series is establishing order in our households. How do we take from where we are and begin to put things in an orderly uh, progression that brings about peace in our lives? Here's the, here's the reality, that ordered steps gets an ordered outcome. If I order some things, then I, I can expect that to go a certain way. If, if we're going on a vacation and, and I'm just going to take off north and I don't have a plan, I don't know where I'm going, guess what? I may be driving north and end up somewhere completely different than what I expected. But if I take time to actually plan a route and I see where different things along the way connect and places along the way to stop and places that are markers that direct me to an outcome, I have ordered my steps, and guess what? I get an ordered outcome. How many of you like to just wing it through life? We got a few wingers in here. Winging it's fine, and winging it's fun to a certain degree, but winging it at life is not necessarily a good approach to life. 
You have to have some ordered steps if you want an ordered outcome. Because what you'll find is you'll be winging it all the way to, to the poorhouse. You'll be winging it all the way to never accomplishing any goals. And things will just not work out like they're supposed to because process produces promise. Oh, that is good. Pro- process produces promise. If I want the promised outcome, then there's a process that gets me to that point. And that's what we're talking about. Chaotic steps gets what? A chaotic outcome. Have you ever been to a restaurant and got something that you did not order? Anybody in the place ever had that happen? Yeah. Went to a restaurant, I ordered something, and I did not get what I ordered. And you say to the waitress or the waiter, you say, I didn't order this. Many of us in our life are looking at our situation and we're going, I didn't order this. This is not what I had in mind. This was not on my menu this morning. I did not order this. Please take it back. Please take it back. Psalms 37, 23. I thought this was, it's a scripture you know well. It says the steps of a good man, a good woman, not gender specific, are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. God delights in the order of our lives. Not only does he delight in that order, he involves himself in that order. I want God involved in every aspect of what I'm doing. Amen? I want God to be a partner with me in every part of my life. And so the challenge that we face with our families is very much a cultural challenge. We are surrounded by the world's culture, and we are inundated with the world's culture. And over time, what happens to us, not because we chose it or not because we even want it to happen, but over time it begins to seep in and creep in to our homes. And we just start by by exposure, starting to experience and starting to live according to some of the things that are going on around us when God very much gives us some steps and some plans and some principles that are supposed to lead us counter to that culture. Let's let's turn, if you will, with me to Romans chapter 12, verse, verses 2, real quickly in the Message Bible. It's in the message that I'm going to read this because it just gives us a clearer understanding of what I'm talking about this morning. So if you don't have that, you can look on the screen. It's right here for you. It says that it says this. It says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Don't become so well-adjusted to the culture around you that you just allow it to creep into your households and never consider the effect that it is having on your life. It says, instead, fix your attention on God. Set your mind on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. So so we're thinking about culture. We're thinking about how it's affecting my household. We're thinking about how what should be godly and what should be consecrated to God is somehow lining up with the world. And so I'm considering those things and I'm thinking about those things and now I'm saying to God, show me where these places are and I will quickly respond to you and begin to change them so that they align with you. And then it says in the latter part, and I love this, it says, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. And so culture seeps into our homes, and what does it do? It begins to drag us down to a level of immaturity. We have to learn to shut those things out 
seal the door, if you will, to the enemy and live in an environment and create an environment that is counter-cultural to the world. So today I want to address some of those cultural challenges, talking about how we can overcome them by living counter-culturally. Proverbs 24 and 3 says this, Through wisdom, through wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. I love that scripture, don't you? When I read that scripture, I'm thinking, what are the precious and pleasant riches that you want to fill my house with God? Well, joy, peace, provision, uh, agreement, continuity, uh, complementary attitudes, uh, mutual authority, shared mutual submission to one another. I mean, there's just so many things that God wants to give us and wants to fill our house with. And he says it's through wisdom that a house is built, and it's through understanding that it is established. It's knowing the Word of God and implementing those ideas into your household that the things that you want to establish are established through wisdom, through knowledge, through understanding, recognizing the cultural challenges, and then addressing them through the Word of God. And so I'm going to talk about four cultural challenges that we must overcome, things that are I see that are seeping into the homes uh, of the church, the people of the church that are called to be distinct and called to be different. The number one, lack of communication. Lack of communication. Lack of communication results in assumption. Think about this for a minute. A lack of communication results in assumption. This is what I would say about assumption. Assumption, assumption is the lowest form of knowledge and the laziest form of knowledge. Not only the lowest, but it is also the laziest. It is the form of knowledge that comes because I do not have the engagement or the initiative to get up and find out the truth or the answer that I'm really seeking for. And so I just assume and I live based on an assumption. And because I'm living on assumption, oftentimes there is a lack of communication. I would say to you that nine times out of ten fights are because there was an assumption that was incorrect. Well, I just assumed that you were going to. Well, I assumed that you were going to. And we assumed each other was going to, and nobody did. And now we have a problem. Everyone knows what assumption produces. Trouble. Nothing but trouble. Assumption is neglected interaction. It is us not putting the effort and energy into actually communicating with one another. If there is no communication between family members, people in your household, whatever your household looks like, if you have extended family living in your household, I'm talking about your household today. If there is no communication between family members, members, we will draw conclusions that are not true. And that is an opportunity always for the enemy to create discord and dysfunction and break the harmony of the home. We can assume that everything is okay between me and my spouse when in reality it is not. Do you know that when we do marriage counseling, that this is oftentimes what what I hear from one side or the other? I had no idea they were unhappy. I had no idea there was a problem. I had no idea that they were upset with me about this particular issue. You know why? Because you've been assuming all the time and you have not been communicating with your spouse. I didn't know this was a problem. 
the only way you know it's a problem is communication. Now, let me just say this too. Communication, it involves two people. If I'm not happy about something, I have a responsibility to communicate that. But also on the other side, if I'm fine and everything's fine and dandy in my life, I have also an obligation to make sure everything's fine and dandy in my spouse's life. It's okay to ask them, how's everything going? How's everything in your life? How's everything happening? Are you, are, are you, do you feel good about where we are in our journey together? Well, what could God do with that kind of question? What could God begin to create dialogue out of that question that would actually advance the relationship forward and create better continuity, better complementary uh, actions with one another, and better agreement with one another as you move forward into the place that God has for you? We can assume that our children are doing good when in reality they are not. Too many people leave their children to be raised by the television or by the iPad or by some other technology instead of actually engaging with them and finding out what's going on in their life. Parent, I'm going to put it on you this morning. You have a responsibility You have a weighty responsibility to make sure you know what is going on in your kid's life. They cannot be left to their own decision-making processes. Number one reason for divorce is what? Lack of communication. Number one reason for strained relationships with our children is a lack of communication. Listen to this statistic because this is mind-boggling. The average American father gives only 35 seconds of undivided attention to his child every day. The average American father gives only 35 seconds of undivided attention to his child every day. That's not good enough. That's not good enough. Proverbs 29:15 says this, it says a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. When you leave a child to themselves, guess what? They're bringing shame to the household. Not because they want to. Not because that's just they're in them to do that. It's because they are left to their own devices and and they are supposed to be raised. So when is the last time you had a real conversation with your spouse or your children? When is the last time you had a good, real conversation with your spouse or your children? Good communication starts by asking questions that you genuinely, listen to this part, that you genuinely want to know the answer to. (laughs) Not just asking questions, but I actually want to know the answer to that question. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing fine. Well, I walk off and don't listen. It's not okay. That you genuinely want to know the answer to. It is about initiating interaction and then being engaged in the response. Pastor, you don't understand. I ask my kids how things are going. They never have anything to say. Oftentimes they don't say anything. They shrug their shoulders and they walk off. Follow them right into where they walked off to. Don't quit. Don't be a quitter you got to get engaged. I mean, it, it may come out of the blue to them. That, what does she ask me questions for? She never asked me any questions. I don't know. What did I do? What did I get caught doing? It's about engaging one another and actually putting in the effort. You know, some of this stuff is so strained 
because it's been years and years of this kind of behavior that it's hard to begin to change the tide. But I'm encouraging you to start today. Let's start making a difference today. And let's start seeing that actually if you will engage with your child over, over time, they will actually start to engage back with you. Here's a novel idea. How about praying about it before you even start trying to engage with them? So here's some questions. What's going, what's going on in the lives of those in your household? What is going on in the lives of those in your household? Pastor, I have no idea. Let's find out. How are they feeling? What are they dealing with? Et cetera. Just, just questions. So instead of a lack of communication in our homes, what we want to have, what God has called us to have, is open, transparent communication. If you already have that, then cultivate it and don't neglect it. Don't take it for granted. Marriages that have been together, people that have been together for 15, 20, 25, 30 years, the problem that they have, and, and it troubles me deeply when someone's been married for 30 years, comes and they say, you know, me and my husband, we just don't have anything in common anymore. I, we've just grown apart. You've taken things for granted. And there hasn't been this, this uh, active working to keep things fresh and keep things sharp keep things right, you know, and so actively engage. Don't just think that it's okay today and it's going to be okay forever. Cultivate it. Don't neglect it. If we don't have those things, then we've got to begin to establish them. We've got to work at them. A home will not be healthy without good open communication happening amongst the people in the household. The cultural trend is little to no communication in the home. We're going to be countercultural. By establishing good communication in our homes. So ask the questions. When Here's the question that you have to answer today. When will we communicate? Because we're going to. When are we going to do that? When are we going to set? When is the best time for me to communicate with my kids? When is the best time for me to communicate with those in my household? When's the best time for me to communicate with the, my spouse? How will we communicate? What are we going to do that around? How are we going to communicate? How is the plan to attack that communication process? And where is that going to happen at? Me and Zoe, we communicate in the car on the, on the ride to school. That is, our, that is our best, richest communication time. We, we try to, I spend my time making up songs, trying to make her laugh, and getting her day started off the best I can. It doesn't happen every day like that, but... We get it pretty good most of the time. And so that's been our best connection time. Also, when I pick her up from school, is a good connection time for me. And so I take that time because it's important, and we connect. And so you've got to find out when, where, and how you're going to do that. Ordered steps gets an ordered outcome, so make a plan. Number two, lack of connection. There's a lack of connection. If you have good communication, good connection is going to be easier. But connection is more than just conversation. Connection is a blending of hearts and minds and spirits. It is coming into agreement with one another. People connect where they agree. And time together creates the opportunity for connection to happen. There is no substitution for quality time together. There's just not. There's just not. FaceTime is not the same as spending time in the same room together. Uh, it's just not. 
And so we have to um, create opportunities for us to connect. In our culture, what we see are families spending less and less time together. We come home and everyone goes their separate ways. We used to at least watch TV together. And now everyone has their own TV and goes to their little corner of the home and watches it privately. We have six TVs in our house. Yes, and that's ridiculous. <laughs> April said we do. Yes, we do. Some of them are game system TVs and things like that, but we have, I counted them for this very thing. We have six TVs in our house. And so it's very easy for everybody to go find their own little, we only have five people in our house. Yeah, our dog has her own TV. That's some messed up stuff right there. Blake, I want you to edit all this stuff out that I'm doing here for the. And so everybody goes their separate ways, you know, and we used to at least gather and watch TV together, but now mom's watching This Is Us, dad's watching football, the daughter is texting in her room, and the son is playing video games in his room, and there is no connection, no interaction. Instead, what we have is families drifting apart under the same household. If you put two boats in the water together, And you leave them untethered to each other. Even though they're in the same ocean, they will slowly drift apart. Over time, they will lose sight of each other. And that is what is happening in our own homes, is that we are untethered. We have no connection. And because of that, we're slowly drifting apart. I think it is a terrible shame for people to live separate lives under the same roof. And the culture is trending in that direction. Strangers living in the same houses, spouses with no real connection, parents with no connection to their kids. You can be more than that. God intends for you to be more than that. Let's be countercultural. Let's actively build points of connection. It doesn't happen automatically. It requires initiative. It requires initiative. It requires finding something that serves as a hub for everyone to connect around. Remember that people connect where they agree, and so we have to find those things that connect everyone. What is some things that we like to do together? So here's the questions to ask. That's one of them. What do we like to do? Not what does dad like to do? Not what does mom like to do? Not what does the kids like to do? What do we like to do? What, there's something that all of us like to do together. Let's find out what that is and then let's do that because around that hub, God will give us opportunities to connect. When, and then here's the second part of that question is when are we going to do it? Because if you don't make a plan, you will not do it. Busyness will stop you from actually executing the plan. It can be a beautiful plan in your mind, but if it doesn't actually flesh out, it means nothing, and it doesn't advance us forward. Number three, lack of concern. Because society is so inundated with selfishness, a lack of concern is creeping into households. And so please don't misunderstand me when I say this. I'm not suggesting that people generally do not care about their spouses and kids, because we all do. I'm saying, however, that what is missing is active engagement concerned to the point that I know what is going on in the lives of those in my family. Again, not assuming, but actually knowing. So here's a test for you. Here's here's a little test that you can take. I'm going to give you. 
Don't answer out loud. Just think of it in your minds. How are your kids doing in school? What are their grades? Do they have missing assignments? What is your spouse doing at work? Who do they work with? What job drama is going on right now? What are the people in your household currently interested in? Just simple questions that if we don't know the answers to some of these questions at least, it doesn't mean that we don't care. It just may mean that more engagement is required. That I need to get more involved in what's going on. A deeper level of concern is merited. And I, listen, I'll be the first one to admit, I get it, I understand that every person is busy. We have multiple irons in the fire. We have so many things demanding on our time that it is hard to stay involved and stay engaged. And there's no condemnation here. I'm not preaching from a place of condemnation. All I'm saying is that we have to stay engaged. That the people in my household are too important not to stay engaged. They're too valuable. They're too precious. They're too important. The number one thing that I'm going to give an account for is not the church. I'm going to give an account for my family first and foremost. And you're going to give an account for your family first and foremost first. That's the way it's going to be. And so April and my kids are important to me more than anything else. I love this church. I love my job. But they are more important to me than the church and my job. I love my friends and I love my extended family, but they are more important to me. And it has to be that way. The moment something, including myself, including myself, is more important to me than they are, I've lost concern for them and I need to get back engaged. Remember the commercials that used to come on late at night? This is, I'm dating myself now. And they would say this, it's 10 p.m., do you know where your children are? A sad reality is I'm afraid a lot of people in the, in the world today would not have the answer to that question. I don't have any idea where they are. And I'm not talking about just geography. I'm talking about emotionally. I'm talking about educationally. I'm talking about spiritually. I have no idea where they are. Godly homes require full engagement with one another. Let me help parents in the room today. It is not intrusive or invasive to you for you to be in the business of someone living in your household. It is not intrusive and it is not invasive to be in the business of every person living in your household. You better know what's going on in your house. Full access to one another is required for there to be partnership and agreement. That's required. Get engaged with one another. A concerted effort by everyone in that family to connect with one another and stay connected. Get involved in each other's lives. Get involved in each other's lives. Zane's soccer games, he has soccer games right now every Saturday. I can tell you honestly, and he's not in the room so I can say this to you, that it doesn't just thrill my heart with joy to get up on a Saturday and go to an 8 o'clock game in the morning. There's nothing about that that just causes me to leap with excitement. I get one day off a week, and that is Saturday. And the last thing I want to do is roll out of bed at 7 o'clock so we can get everybody together and be over there at 8 o'clock for a stinking game that is scheduled way too early in the morning. 
But it's not about that. Our whole family is engaged in the process. If I left it up to Zoe and and Gabe, they would say, I don't want to go. They don't have that option. Because we as a family are going to support Zane. Like it or not. Happy about it or not. We are going to support him. And we do. And so we go together. And you know what happens as a result of that? Fun things. Things are not even related to the soccer game. Funny something that happened in the car. Funny something that happens while we're eating uh, breakfast afterwards or whatever. It's just an opportunity to be in the same place so that God can use it to connect us together and blend our hearts together. Lack of community, number four, last one. As technology advances, families live more and more in isolation with each other but also with a broader community. With a broader community, families need interaction beyond their household. They need community. Your four and no more is not a healthy existence. God created us to live in a broader context, in a community. The interaction with other people and sharing our lives with them creates a healthier and more sound individual. Have you ever met, listen, have you ever met a family that has no interaction with anyone beyond just those under their own roof? There is one word to describe them, and that is weird. Am I telling the truth? They're weird. Why? Because they have no exposure to any new ideas, any new customs, any new interactions, and so forth. Is anybody? Let me give you an example. Anybody ever watch Alaskan bush people? People that are isolated up in somewhere Alaska, those people are weird. And to southern it up, God bless them. You know, that makes it okay. Why are they that way? Isolation. They don't interact with anybody. They don't connect with anybody. They don't spend time outside of their little circle. And so they're unhealthy because they're too disconnected from other people. They need the balance of social interaction. The longer you live in isolation, the weirder you get. Has anybody ever met a well-adjusted hermit? They're weird because they're not around anybody. Real community is human interaction. It is communicating, connecting, and having concern for others beyond your own family. We need our local community. Get involved in something that puts you around other people. Sports, volunteering. You know, it's in those moments that real teachable moments happen. Volunteering, getting together with people to play games, eat together, something that exposes your family to social interaction. We have traded social interaction for media. We don't get together and play games anymore because I'm playing a game on my iPhone. We don't get together and spend time with other people because we just email them or text them instead. Pastor, I don't have any friends. Why not? Because you weren't created to live in isolation, so go make some friends. We also need spiritual community. You can't have a godly home and godly children and a godly marriage, etc., without a spiritual community. 
I'm going to say that again because that needs to be driven home with our culture today. You cannot have a godly home. You cannot have godly children and a godly marriage without spiritual community. The river is your spiritual community. It is the place where we share godly values, dreams, goals, and responsibilities. And you need the church, and the church needs you. You need people that will say to your family the same things that you're saying to your family. You need people reinforcing the principles and values that you're trying to instill in your family. And that happens in spiritual community. You know what I appreciate about the river more than anything else is the people who love my family. Let us love your family too. But for you to be loved by this church, you have to be here for us to love your family. You have to be involved for a relationship to blossom that gives us the opportunity to love your family. Be faithful to the house of the Lord. It's so important for a well-balanced, healthy, wholesome family. Blake, would you come? Let's live countercultural. Stand with me across this place. Let's communicate. Let's connect. Let's show concern by being engaged with one another. Let's get involved in community, both local community and especially spiritual community. It's important. It can't be neglected. We're not going to allow this culture to drag us down to its level of immaturity. We're going to live different than that. I am very much concerned about praying for Seeking God to protect and keep His hand upon the families of our communities, but especially the families that call the river their home. We've got to stand for one another and strengthen one another. With every head bowed and every eye closed across this place, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I don't know Christ as my Savior, can I just say to you that godly homes starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ? You're never going to have success in any aspect of life without your starting point being Christ. It starts with Him. It's important that He becomes the foundation that we launch everything from. He secures us. He strengthens us. He provides us the wisdom, the guidance, the direction. It is through godly wisdom that houses are built. It's through knowledge that they are established. And so God... We need Him in our lives. We need Jesus in our lives. And so if you're here and you say, Pastor, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but I want to begin one today, would you just simply raise your hand right where you are? I'm not going to ask you to do anything else, but just raise your hand. And if that's you and you say, me, I need to give my life to Christ this morning, would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down and just let me acknowledge that this morning. Would there be one that says, that's me. I want to start with the foundation of Jesus Christ this morning. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the people in this room. I pray that, God, if there be one person in this room that does not know you as Savior. Lord, in this moment, I ask that they would give their heart and their life to you. You said that if we would profess your name, that we would call upon the name of the Lord, that we would be saved. And so, Father, I just encourage them through the Spirit of God that they would call upon you and surrender their heart and their life to you today, God, and begin to seek you as the director and the orchestrator of all their decisions from this point on. 
We pray that you cleanse their heart of sin and that you wash it white as snow with the precious blood of Calvary. We thank you, Jesus. Now, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I have a relationship with Jesus. I know where I stand with God. And I want my family to be countercultural. I want us to be different. We are going to work on our communication. We are going to work on connecting with one another. We are going to grow in our concern for one another, and we are going to be engaged together. And we are going to be involved in community. We are going to make sure that we are healthy and balanced and whole in all of those aspects. If that's you and you say, I will make that commitment today that I am going to pursue these mandates and we are going to live countercultural, then I'm going to ask you to simply step out of your seat and come join us at the front this morning as a step of commitment and just say that's we're going to do it my family's going to do it my family's going to be different my family's going to live unique to this world we're not going to do what everybody else does we're not going to let this culture drag us down to its level of immaturity but we're going to stand separately and differently and uniquely from the world around us the culture around us hallelujah God sees every person that's making that commitment this morning Would you just pray with me, Father? I thank you for every person that has stepped out of their seats and said to you by their actions, Lord God, they've put actions to their faith this morning, and they have said in their hearts that, God, we are going to communicate with one another. We are going to establish a godly household that communicates with one another, that shows concern for one another, that connects with one another that God goes beyond even our household into community and not only, Lord, is is touched by the lives of other people, but is touching the lives of other people. God, we we pray that, Lord, godly families would, would begin to shape and form society in this community. We know that it starts right here in the spiritual community, God, but it can go beyond that into the local community. We pray that, Father, the principles that the families of the river live on and live by, which is the Word of God, would begin to infiltrate the entirety of our local community, God. Let us take it beyond these walls. I pray, Lord, where there is difficulty in communication, we pray that, Father, right now, that you would begin to open up those lines, that you would begin to work. That, Lord, if it's between spouses, we ask that, God, you would just begin to work in that situation. If it's between parents and children, if it's between other members of the household, God, we ask that you would work in those situations. We pray for for concern and connectivity, God, to be established. Lord, that we would engage with one another. Find ways to build relationships with one another. Find things that we can build community around in our homes and and then also outside in the grander and broader text context. Lord, we thank you this morning. God, everywhere the enemy has tried to create division and discord. Would you just pray that with me for a minute? I felt that this morning as we were praying before service that there's some places where the enemy has tried to weave in some discord and dysfunction and we're just shutting the door to that today. We're not going to allow that in our homes. We're, we're closing the door everywhere that he has a foothold. We're kicking his foot out and we're slamming the door. We're sealing it with the blood of Jesus and we're not allowing him to create any more havoc or chaos in our family situation. I pray for our children today, God, that you would cover them with the blood of Jesus. I pray 
pray for my spouse today that you would cover them with the blood of Jesus. I pray for my family members in my household that, God, you would cover them with the blood of Jesus. And I pray that, God, you would bring order. You would bring order and establish an ordered outcome. We trust that process produces promise. And, Lord, we want the promises of God released into our homes. We thank you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We'd love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 945 for Sunday school and at 1030 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you would like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We would love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street, Burkrenet, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the river. Till I found myself face down on your shore. Say come to the